Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Idaho Bircher Podcast. My name is Tom Munz. I wanted to talk to you guys tonight about activism. Uh, there's a first. I wanted to be able to tell you that uh, it's been a dark day for all of us, hasn't it? Uh, a new presidency, knowing the direction and the political desires of what's happening, having three branches of government controlled by one party, moving toward the globalist agenda with reckless abandon. Most of us are fearful but don't really have any understanding of who the enemy is and how to fight it. The battle seems to have, have we seem to have lost, lost the battle. But I wanted to be able to encourage you. I wanted you guys to be able to know that uh, for you new new listeners that are just getting to know me and what I'm all about, and as I start this new podcast, hoping that I can uh, retain some listeners as I figure out how to navigate through how good this podcast is supposed to be, I want to be able to use it to to partially inform and partially encourage my listeners. And what I wanted to be able to tell you is that I travel the state as the area coordinator for the John Birch Society. Uh, most of my uh, articles uh, have something to do with information from the John Birch Society. The articles that I read from the New American are from the John Birch Society. And my general worldview was crafted not only necessarily from the John Birch Society and the New American Magazine, but that the New American Magazine and the John Birch Society happened to match perfectly with my worldview. There's a lot of people right now that are just starting to become politically active. There's some that have been active for a long time. There's some that have been active for a long time and they're burnout and don't want to have anything to do with it. But what happens if they leave their post? If they leave their post, will that post be filled by new activists? And how much will they know and how much is required to know before we become active in trying to save our country and restore liberty for this great nation. I attend meetings and people have different strategies. There's different types of groups. There's the uh, single issue groups uh, locally here in Idaho. Uh, we have Health Freedom Idaho. Uh, we've got the Idaho Second Amendment Alliance. We've got Oath Keepers. We've got Militia. We've got all of these other different groups. Uh, people that I've come close to knowing for a long time. We've been in the trenches a long time together. Um, some of the groups tend to, to come and go. I remember when I first became active in 2007, uh, the Tea Party had risen. Uh, there, was a, there was a Tea Party Boise, and then Tea Party Boise broke off, and then they had the, um, the, the Boise Tea Party, and then they had the Treasure Valley Tea Party because one Tea Party decided that they wanted to endorse candidates. The, the, the leaders of the groups were fine. They're both friends of mine, but they had differences in opinion, so they decided that they were going to start different groups. Then other groups started to rise. There were sovereign citizen groups, and there were law groups, and there were you know, other types of groups, single-issue groups, uh, multiple-issue groups, uh, to the point where if you were fully engaged you were going to meetings almost every single night. Well, what ha what's happened since 2007 is that these groups, they rose out of emotion and need, 
and then shortly after they died. And what we've experienced in the Liberty community is that these groups, they tend to rise and then they tend to fall. And there's nothing really long-lasting about any of them. So part of my existence as a John Birch Society coordinator is to be able to recruit members um, and to help, in, in, to help educate members and to help place them into uh, where they can become active uh, in their civic duty. I don't necessarily consider it politics. I consider it a civic duty. Politics I refer to as more along the lines of, um, of uh, playing Republican or playing Democrat. The John Birch Society is an issues-related organization. So we focus on the issues and how it affects all Americans regardless of party. Of course, we talk about the party's position on the particular issue or the lack of a position that a party that we believe that parties should actually take according to their platform. So I've been going to these meetings and I went to a meeting the other night um, and they had a, it was a very interesting meeting. Um, there were, uh, the first meeting, there were a couple hundred people there uh, in a relatively small community, which was really surprising to me. Um, and then two weeks later, they had another meeting that was about half that size. They have new leaders there, very well-intentioned people, very good-hearted people. You can tell their heart's in the right place. They were overwhelmed by the response that they had. Um, they only expected probably 20, 25 people. And they ended up with over 200. Well, the restaurant, as you can only imagine, was understaffed and was overwhelmed as well. But it really helped me realize that there is really a tremendous awakening going on right now. And um, a lot of good people, just like you, just like me, we are, you know, we're people that can hardly be considered extremists, you know, people that are just regular God-fearing Americans. They feel like their lives are being threatened, their families are being threatened, their livelihoods, their country, their freedom, everything is being threatened. And what is their, what else can they do but try to reach out to others and become active and try to defend themselves against the, against the onslaught of tyranny that's coming in almost every direction. One of the things that I have, and this is not any disrespect to any other leader, at this point in time, it really doesn't do any good to be able to bring anybody down like crabs in a pot. What I'd like to be able to do, though, is to be able to help people understand more clearly my perspective, or maybe our perspective, and why we believe that political engagement is important. Now, again, political, I don't mean Republican Party, Democrat Party. I mean political as in means of civic duty. It's just that political is more understandable for the average person. The John Birch Society is an education and action organization. We're 62 years old, never been on the wrong side of an issue, and we focus on the issues that we believe that are important to be able to restore liberty. We take a very unique position, one most people don't even understand, uh, with agenda items that nobody's really even heard of. We, we talk about things like getting out of the UN. We talk about Agenda 21. We talk about, um, you know, neoconservatives. And we talk about trade agreements. And we talk about the Article 5 Convention. Very few people have even heard of the Article 5 Convention, much less the details in it or how it affects liberty. But there's an idea now that since governments have, been, have become corrupt to these ends, top to bottom, and that nobody has any understanding of the duties that they're supposed to be doing in a lawful constitutional manner, that somehow we should depart the political realm. 
And I find this extremely dangerous. And the reason why is that we have to understand what that leaves us. If we're not involved in our civic duty and we're not involved in, in trying to be able to sway opinion, then what's left? Is the, is the other option instead when we decide to be able to band together to be able to protect the rights of other people? Merely to be able to hunker and hide until, we're, until the call comes out? What that does to me, though, is it, it, what that, the reason why I believe that's dangerous is because it allows us to feed the monster, I call it, right? So by, 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 by separating ourselves from that, um, from that political process, I call that feeding the monster. And the reason why is because if, the, if people like you and I are not engaged in our public duty, in our civic duty, that monster is con- going to continue to feed on the fact that we're not there. There's no resistance. It can basically do whatever it wants to do. The political pressure that we apply through our civic duty is to be able to reduce the onslaught or to reduce the abuses and the encroachments of government. If we can't hold our government accountable, there's going to be plenty of time to hunker and hide later. What I, what I strongly encourage people to do is to be able to become um, politically active to be able to start understanding about your constitution and start understanding your rights and start understanding about how to defend those and learn when how to resist and learn about the pitfalls and things that you need to avoid to keep you from getting arrested unless that's something that you decide to do. I don't strongly encourage it because I don't necessarily have any faith in the judicial system, but the system nonetheless still needs good patriots to be able to operate within it to try to set it right. Some people can say, well, there's no hope for that. But then again, if you're not involved in the process, you can rest assured that there absolutely is no hope for that. The other thing to consider is think of all the legislators now that are in. I mean, I've counted, we've probably got 15 or 20 of very conservative legislators, maybe even more. Is, 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 you know, the one thing that we've wanted to do is to be able to put these legislators in these offices and now they're there, are we just going to abandon our post? And just leave them standing there high and dry and wondering what kind of support they're going to get? It defies the, it defies the, what I understand of what, the, what, type of a, what type of a government our founders gave us. If Ben Franklin said to Mrs. Powell, I've given you a republic if you can keep it, part of keeping that is to be able to maintain your understanding, educating other people, and then holding government accountable to these few and defined powers that we as masters of our, of our freedom have given them. For us to be able to depart from our post and say that we're, gonna, you know, we're just going to hunker down and you just wait for the call, I think is a little short-sighted. And to be honest, I think it's dangerous. And I think also it's going to lead to greater depression. The reason why it's going to lead to greater depression is because if people don't have the ability to be able to direct their fear into positive action while they're waiting for the call, they're going to end up doing a lot more worrying and they're going to do a lot more, there's going to be a lot more fear in their mind and they're going to be inactive. And all the while, at some point in their mind, they're going to be wondering, shouldn't I be doing more than just waiting for the call? So what I guess what I'm saying to sum it all up is political activism is part of what this country is all about. Sure, our founders never created parties and 
you know, it was never intended to be parties, and then there was parties, and then people were divisive factions, and we know that our founders didn't want factions and all of that. But really what we are now is that the, the, the only party that really exists is the globalist totalitarian party. It's the party that hates freedom that is, that is mounting up against a divided so-called conservative party. You've got the Republicans that are hardly conservative at all. If you look at Idaho's uh, Jim Risch and Senator Crapo, their combined score is 50%. Uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, by the way, has a higher freedom index than Risch and Crapo. That ought to tell you something. When you got the mob that's got a higher freedom index rating, according to the New American Magazine, than our own senators and congressmen. What this tells me, folks, is that we've abandoned our post already. We're not holding these guys accountable. Sure, letters are written and they write the form letters back, but it doesn't just end there. There are certain ways to be able to combat that and to be able to increase the amount of resistance. The other thing that's really been heavy on my mind when I first became active about 15 years ago, I used to be really angry. And I think the reason why is because I was angry because I was new. I didn't know who the enemy was. I didn't really know much about the issue. I just knew that something was seriously wrong. And it freaked me out. And I wanted to be able to know what it was, but I wanted people to stop doing what they were doing. And it wasn't until later where I realized that you, you would attract a lot more... What's the old saying? You attract a lot more with honey than you do with vinegar. And that's when I decided, as a Christian male, that I need to be able to operate with love in my heart while being firm and stating my position. Because that's all there is. If we go in ranting and raving and screaming and, and yelling at the top of our lungs, it's the greatest way to be able to, be isol to isolate yourself when you could have had a chance to be able to make a difference. And I think it took me most of my activism career to be able to figure that out. And I, it finally actually just came together for me most recently. We might not like what's going on. The other people that you're talking to might not even know what you know. So there are two aspects about activism that I believe are hugely important. And this is something that I talk, to, talk about with law enforcement all the time when they need to try to understand you know, if the right wing is the enemy or the left wing is the enemy or both wings are the enemy or, you know, if everybody's the enemy or whatever. The liberty movement operates out of defense, right? We understand our founders said we are to defend our liberty. We're supposed to defend our lives, right? We're supposed to defend our communities. Well, that's defensive. So we, we are not on the offense, the difference is, is that the left is on the offense. It's, it's, not all, it's not sometimes on the offense. It's always on the offense. And the reason why is because it needs to agitate to rebellion, to be able to incite a revolution, to be able to transfer from one form of government to another. This is plainly seen by what's happening today. So the idea in saying that the, you know, the right wing or extreme or whatever, that's all leftist, empty, unsubstantiated rhetoric. Now look what happened today. I mean, they had a 
they had 60,000 troops or whatever it was at the Capitol. And I had some friends of mine that were surprised that there were no riots. Well, some of these friends of mine don't understand that Liberty people aren't really the ones that do the riots. The Liberty ones are the ones that have the rallies with supporters. The left is the one that has the agitation factors, the, um, the, the violence, the uh, property destruction. And that's there for anybody to see. And anybody that actually allows for that behavior, like some of these Democrat cities, it should be pretty clear that they're part of the communist element as well. So this whole thing about who is a what is not really difficult to find out. All you need to know is what, the, what is actually going around around what's happening. If you've got these Democrat communities that are waving these expensive banners that just happen to say revcom.us on the bottom, you might want to do a simple Google search and find out that Revcom is actually the revolutionary Communist Party. Hey, when you see them burning down buildings and, and beating people up and causing all kinds of problems and inciting rebellion and doing all those kinds of things, how can you possibly think that that's, those, are the, those are conservatives? Anyway, my point in saying all this is there are certain ways to become active. There are ways to be effective when becoming active. And no matter how you feel about how abusive and how, how bad our system is, it's still a system that can be changed. What most people don't want to do is work. So yeah, if you want to be able to, if the greatest thing that you can do is hunker down and not work. Don't try to make a, don't try to change your legislature. Don't try to change your executive. Don't try to inform your neighbor. You just hunker down and you just wait. And when that call to be able to have your, somebody's rights is defended, what are you going to do? Are you going to show up on somebody's door? Are you going to scream and yell and, and do whatever it is you're going to do? When you could have dealt with something like that in the political process to limit the power that actually allowed that to happen in the first place? I might not know a lot of things. I've, been, I've, only, I've only been working about 80 hours a week for the last seven years and even more active even before that, before I was even working for the society. But I do think I've learned a thing or two and I, and I honestly think that the things I'm saying make sense and they're consistent with the restoration of liberty if it's to be had. We have to be able to take our system back. And one of the reasons, the, the, one of the ways to do that is to be able to occupy it. If you don't like what's going on in the schools, get involved. If you don't like what's going on in the legislature, get involved. If you don't like what's going on in your county central committee, get involved. There's always room for people to get involved. The, the establishment control in there is very difficult. It's very taxing. It's very tiring. But I almost would argue that that's all intentional. All of that is intentional to be able to drive people away so that they can maintain control and to be able to utilize uh, the legislature to be able to completely remove your rights. This idea in Idaho that people believe that just because you're a Republican, you're a conservative. And people aren't even in questioning what the term conservative really means. Is it neoconservatism? Is it paleoconservatism? They all talk about pledging allegiance to the flag and adherence to the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. And so you think you're, you think you're pretty well aligned with all these people. 
What you don't know is that they have their own version and their own belief about what the Bill of Rights is, about what the Constitution is, about how closely they need to adhere to it. What you might also find out is they, they deviate pretty far from their platform. If somebody departs from their platform, is it any wonder why they depart from the Constitution? If they only believe that they have to adhere to certain parts, it's hardly adherence of an oath. If I only, if we had borders, for example, right? Let's say you had a border around your house. You had a chain link fence, right? Let's say you chain link the, 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 side, the sides of your home and the back of your home, but you, let the, you didn't chain the front side. And there was no way to be able to tell what, where the border was on the front. People are more inclined to be able to encroach upon your property if they don't know where your borders are. Take that to a different level. What about our country? If our country doesn't have any borders, then how can you call it a country? If, if you are a member of a party and your party has a platform, the platform are those borders. If you're a member of a nation or a state, those borders define what that jurisdiction is. So when somebody tells you, well, I don't need to adhere to the Constitution or I don't need to adhere to, you know, um, uh, my party platform, think of it in terms of borders around your home or borders around your nation or borders around your state. Because ultimately they define the same thing. They define who you are or who it is that is being bordered. So without belaboring the point, I just wanted to be able to talk to you guys a little about activism. I know that some of you have found, um, were asking me what my podcast is. I apologize if it isn't as exciting as Joe Rogan or some of those other podcasts. I'm still trying to work my way through it. Um, I do post interviews with our CEO that I have from time to time talking about the issues like the United Nations and environmentalism and the civil rights era and the Great Reset and things of that nature. I'm also reading articles for you so that if you're not a subscriber to the magazine, you'll at least get the um, get some of the important information that you need because I would hate for you to want to have the information and not know where to get it. It's also a mechanism to be able to try to encourage people to be able to check out the newamerican.com, check out our videos, uh, check out our magazine articles, and maybe become a subscriber. Um, if you're interested in becoming active, you can go to jbs.org. You can look at our action projects. Uh, and you can contact me. I think my name and my phone number are on the New American page. I'm not sure if they are on the JBS page. But please feel free to reach out to me. You can also reach out to me on my website at tommunds.com. That's T-O-M-M-U-N-D-S.com. And I believe that you can also leave um, messages uh, for me here um, at this podcasting platform. So um, I hope the, the little bit that I've given you on activism helps out. Uh, if I can help you in any way, please feel free to contact me. I do travel the state. Um, I have uh, east, west, and southern Idaho. I also have been given um, uh, the eastern half of Oregon as well. Uh, and so uh, if you happen to live in a particular area like that and you're interested in meeting and talking about what you can do in your area, I'm hoping to hear from you. So this is Tom Munns. I hope you enjoy the uh, my podcast and some of the articles and some of the interviews. Um, and um, hopefully, people will find that it's a that it's a worth it's a it's worthwhile. So 
Uh, God bless you guys. Um, and uh, God help us during this uh, interesting time. I appreciate you listening.